This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to our episode on, drumroll please, Richard Kim. That's right. But do I have to introduce you again? Oops. Think I'm a little excited? Well, I am Sensei Michelle. And I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Landon. And I'm Sensei Randy. That's right, guys. Sensei Randy is such a regular that we now have him introducing himself. Us. If you haven't heard him before, please go back to some old episodes. He's been on plenty of them. Us and I think self-control was his first one, Sensei. I, I agree. Was the first one. I think so, too. And I think you did one of the other teacher episodes. I think I did Masoyama Sensei. So you got plenty to go back and listen to, guys. Us? Us. Before we get to Master Kim, we've got a couple of things to take care of. First off, we got some great listener mail about our episode from the three young adults who by now have already left for college. That's right, Sensei. Lots of listeners were nostalgic with their own training memories. And a couple of listeners just like hearing the stories about growing up in karate. Thanks to everybody who checked in. That was a good episode, Sensei. I'm really glad I get to be here for the last of the three teachers of Peter Urban. I'm correct that Master Kim was actually Peter Urban's first teacher and that Richard Kim introduced Master Urban to both Gojin Yamaguchi and Masoyama. I think you're right, Sensei Randy. And on that note, I'll start with the birth and death dates and our very first little controversy. And we didn't give it to Landon? What were we thinking? I don't know. I just said, this is a crazy day for me. Okay, go for it. Well, Richard Kim was born in Hawaii on November 17, 1919. Wikipedia and other sources say it was 1917. And you all can fight about it anytime you want. Oh, yeah. And oh, Sensei Kim died November 8, 2001. The controversy there is that, try as I might, I could not find a cause of death. Me either. It's top secret information. Us. I think it is top secret. I couldn't find it anywhere. None of us could. Yeah. Okay. Enough about death. (laughs) Well, I'll add some facts about his family. Good one. His dad was Korean and his mom was Japanese. Another interesting fact is that his dad was a landscaper and his mom owned a hotel. That's wild. I wonder what it's like to own a hotel. Us. Us. I think it'd be so busy. Us. It'd be a busy life, right? But you'd always have someone interesting to talk to. Okay, good point. That's for sure. If you're out there and you have experience in hotel ownership, I think you should tell us. Us. We would love to hear from you. I would love to hear about that. I've worked in a hotel, and it is very busy when you're working in it. And I know uh, Sensei Jim, who comes on as our book correspondent, I've worked in a hotel, hmm. so he can tell us how busy it is. But ownership is a whole nother story, isn't it? Us. All right. So how do they tell us if they want to tell us? Let's they, all join in, okay? Us. us. They can contact us on our website, wildcatdojo.com. Or on Instagram, Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Or email us at dojoconversations at aol.com. And of course, if you type Wildcat Dojo into any kind of a search engine, you'll get Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And we have a new YouTube video coming out Us. advertising our 100th show. It's a secret. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yes. Okay, before we push on here, I want to give credit where credit is due. Sensei Jackie did a lot of the research for this piece. 
And before we tell the sources, I want to mention that there really wasn't that much information out there outside of just the cold, hard facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Dragnet. Do you remember the Dragnet song? Dun, da, da, da. I thought that's what it was. Like, dun, da, da, da. Bad 714. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that gives you guys another Google search if you're out there. I'm so lost. I love that you guys have TV trivia without me finally. Yes. I, just, I, I don't even know. We lose Landon in the classic TV trivia. Just the facts, ma'am. Get back to the facts, ma'am. Yes, please. <laughs> well, I have to say, it was really hard to get anything other than the basic information. That's weird. It's true. But I mostly use Wikipedia, a site called zenbay.org, and an article called The Legacy of Dr. Richard Kim, 10th Don, by Robert Toth, and a site called shimakarate.com. And I used a site called martialartsmarin.com. Who's going first? I'll start, Sensei. With his early training, his mom enrolled him in a judo class in the basement of our hotel at age six. Well, we think it was in her hotel, but we can't swear to it. Yes. I uh, mean, it makes uh, sense. That would have been the convenient way, right? Uh, okay, keep it going for me, please. Us. In 1927, Os-sensei Kim saw a man named Mr. Arakaki do a demonstration and started training in the Shorinji room. And by the 1930s, he had moved to Japan, where he had the opportunity to study with Mr. Arakaki's teacher, whose name was Yabu Kentsu. That was interesting. And it's a perfect time to tangent out for a minute about the Shirinji Ru style. Us. I had never really heard of it. Nor I. No, Sensei. I saw an article by a man named Will Ituriagi. And in it, he called the style O Sensei Richard Kim's Shirinji Ru Karate. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Holy moly. It's a lot to put on the patch. But But the cool part of the article is a story about the teacher of Yabu Kensu, who lived from 1866 to 1937. Start it out for me, please, Sensei Jackie. Us. According to this site, his teacher was a man named Itosu Anko, and the story begins in 1879 when Okinawa was annexed as part of Japan. Japan had adopted judo as its main martial art and wanted the island of Okinawa to do the same. The Islanders said no, and a challenge was born. A police chief represented judo, and Itosu Anko represented Okinawan karate, and the match lasted only a few minutes. The tension is building here, Landon. Tell us about the fight. Us. Like you said, it was short. They circled each other for a short time until the police chief tried to get a hold on the arm and the collar of the karateka for a throw. The karateka dropped his body weight and drove a punch into the solar plexus of the jajoka, and the fight was over. The Okinawans continued their karate training, and eventually, karate moved on to mainland Japan. Oh, that was a great story. I'll add one more thing. Mr. Ketsu traveled to the West in the 1920s, and it is said that Richard Kim saw him do a demonstration there, even though other sites said that Mr. Kim saw Mr. Arakaki. Well, maybe they were both there, guys, right? Could have happened. Yep. I have an interesting Yabuketsu fact to add. Okay. He was a military man and is credited with bringing a lot of military training regiments to the dojo, such as strip lines of people and training and short, distinct answers 
from students. Us. Those are things that still travel today. Us. We line mm. up in straight lines and the students answer nice and crisply. Us. On, Us. on a good day. <laughs> Us. Before we get back to the life of Richard Kim, I'm pretty sure you checked on the meaning of the Shirinji Ruth style. Is that correct, Sensei Jackie? It is, Sensei. A site called VancouverDojo.com gave us this. Shirinji is the Japanese spelling of the Chinese word Shaolin. Wow. Yikes. Us. And they continue that the Shaolin schools are pretty much the most famous. Us. Everyone should go back and check out the episode where we read the story from Peter Urban's book about the Shaolin training. Right. Did you remember that Shaolin simply means small forest temple? I did not. Me neither, Sensei. I do remember that from when we read the book way back when on an episode, and I remember thinking of the claustrophobia. Hmm. Ah. But the site finishes by saying that Richard Kim specifically chose this name to symbolize the fact that his karate was a complete way of life as opposed to just a form of self-defense. Oh, that's interesting, Hmm. Sensei. On that, we can all agree. Yes, we can. can. All right. I'm a little confused, Sensei Randy. Do you know where we're at? Us, Sensei. I'll pick it up in Sensei Kim's teenage years. Good move. During his teenage years, he spent a lot of time at the local boxing clubs where he earned the name Biggie Kim. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a name. I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it sounds cute, right? It's got a rhyme to it. Hi, Biggie Biggie, Kim. How are you? Biggie Smalls. You think he's going to drop an album? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what happened next? Us. He worked as a sparring partner for some world-class fighters and said that he took from that experience, a good jab and the ability to focus. I saw that. And I also read later on, when he was living in Shanghai, China, he had 42 fights in the ring and became a champion in that region. It's an awful lot of fights. But I'm going to jump ahead to 1939 when he went to Japan. Turns out he held dual citizenship. And at that time, he joined the Japanese military. And that, folks is a great transition to the book by Don Warner called 20th Century Samurai, Richard Kim. Mr. Warner is a fine karateka in his own right. I tried once to get an interview with him, and he extremely politely said no thank you. Maybe we just keep trying, Sensei. (laughs) Anyway, back to what his book says. Why don't you pick it up for me there, Sensei Randy? Sure, Sensei. It said that in World War II, Richard Kim was a spy for the Japanese, and later, he was a double for a notorious war criminal named Kenji Doahara, who, by the way, was later hung for his war crimes. Oh, yeeks. Strange, yeah. Sensei. But can I add one more thing from Mr. Warner's book before we keep pushing? Of course. Although it can't be proven, it is said that O Sensei associated with the Black Dragon Society, a kind of radical group that was disbanded in the mid 20th century. Wow. There's no easy way to get back on track from that, is there? No. Not really. But it kind of reminds me, for you old-timers who listen, that there were rumors in the 50s and 60s that some of the entertainers that were known as the Rat Pack had ties to the mafia. And it included people like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, among others. I totally remember reading that. Yes. And I was part of a museum exhibit about Frank Sinatra, and they talked about that extensively. That's right. I remember now. Nice. I don't remember those days. I loved when <laughs> you were at the museum. But, Landon, get us back on track. Us, at some point before World War II, 
he studied a style of karate called Daidoru, and he credits that training for his ability with weapons. Which he is very well known for. Yes. Yes. And in fact, his teacher, Yoshida Kotaro, awarded him a certificate called the Menkyu Kaiden, which is given to an advanced student, and it signifies the ability to continue the art into future generations. Us. I'm going to keep it going here. He really liked trying different types of martial arts during his time in China. He studied Tai Chi, Pa Kwa, which is Chinese boxing, Qi Gun, a type of breathing, uh, moving meditation and has tons of different spellings. But if you want to look it up, it's spelled Q-I-G-U-N-G. And in Qi Gun, his first lesson was to stand in a posture known as Embrace the Tree. For a total of three hours a day. Okay, so I looked up the posture. And here's a brief description, guys. You stand with your feet slightly wider than your shoulders. Your knees are slightly bent. And your hands come forward from your heart. And they separate. Try to make sure that your coccyx or your tailbone is slightly forward or tucked under. And your chin is slightly down. You breathe in all the way to your belly, just like we do in regular martial arts training. And finally, don't forget to feel your feet against the floor. Listen, say you had us try that in class one night. Definitely not for three hours, but it was for two minutes and our biceps were already hurting. <laughs> That's true. It was an interesting addition to our usual meditation. And truth be known, I've incorporated it into some of my workouts. Oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I like changing things up in the workouts as much as I can. Uh, Me too. Okay, Sensei Jackie, take us back to life after World War II and the fact that histories vary slightly depending on what you read. They certainly do, Sensei. After World War II, Richard Kim lived in Yokohama where he owned and operated a bar. Sources say that it was there that he met Masoyama, and through Sensei Oyama, he met Gojin Yamaguchi. Us, and Sensei Peg used to tell us that the story in the book, The Karate Dojo, called The Bartender's Knife, was about Richard Kim. I remember, Sensei. I'm going to give a shout out to Hanshi Melanowski, because I bet he knows whether that story was about Richard Kim or not. Hmm. And, and so if he does, holler to me, please. Us. As much as we mentioned the book, The Karate Dojo, listeners should already have that copy. But just in case, I checked out our favorite bookseller, Thrift Books. And they had only two copies left. So that was sometime last week. Yeah. So you better get on it. We love <laughs> thrift books. But if you want to go to the big seller, it's available for devices and hard copies and paperbacks. Okay, one more time. We're back on track. And we're in the late 1950s when he moved back to the U.S. That's right, Sensei. In Mr. Warner's book, he says Mr. Kim was repatriated back to America. But no matter how he got here, he settled in San Francisco and conducted a martial arts program at the Chinese YMCA. He traveled the world and started an organization called Zenbei Butoku Kai. That's the style that I always associated with him. There's a lot of words in that name, right? For Ooh. sure, Sensei. So, of course, we had to look it up. And, of course, I'm forcing Sensei Randy down the horrible word road. Oh, Sensei, I'll go. When we Googled the style name, no interpretations appear. So we tackled each word separately. And here's what we came up with. Zen means peaceful and calm. Ooh. 
Be means America, which I did not know. I got that from a site called SLJFAQ.org. And finally, Budo Kukai means Martial Arts Association. So that's cool, right? That's very, very cool. cool. Thanks for tackling that. You're welcome, Sensei. All right, let's finish this one up, Sensei Jackie. Well, I've got something, Sensei. While living in California, a Sensei ran schools in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. One source said he ran a famous summer camp at Guelph University in Ontario. True. And here I go with the controversy. Woohoo! <laughs> Congratulations. There's a big article on Wikiwan written by Louis Jemison, who trained closely with O-Sensei till the end of Richard Kim's life. In the article, Mr. Jemison says that many of the things on the internet regarding O-Sensei Kim are either wrong or exaggerated. He goes on to say that Richard Kim was always a guest instructor at this camp. He didn't run it. And we can all definitely agree that sometimes things online are definitely exaggerated or wrong. Or wrong. <laughs> and I'll thank you, Lena, for checking that out for us. And I also want to say, either way, we're cool. Uh, right? right? We don't care. Okay, guys, let's take this home with some trivia. You starting us off, Sensei Randy? Us. I'll start us off. He was on the cover of Black Belt Magazine at least four times in 1976, 1984, 1993, and 1996. And he was a Black Belt Magazine Instructor of the Year in 1967. When I read that, I did some searching and found an article at blackbeltmag.com about all their covers. Sounds like a great way to kill a few hours, right? Yes. I agree. Us, I read a Black Belt Magazine on my way to camp on the plane. Oh, wow. That is a, yeah. And I'll move from magazines to books. He wrote one called The Classical Man and a couple on Kabuto weapons. Also, in 1974, he wrote Weaponless Warrior. And under the heading, all we do is have controversy. In his book, Don Warner says that the bulk of the work was taken without acknowledgement from Old Grandmaster Stories by Aizo Shembakuro, a book written in 1963. Oh, man, Landon. Thanks for the controversy. To end the day. That's what Chief, we need. Chief controversy officer <laughs> at your service. Well, I'm going to stay with Mr. Warner and remind everyone that his book about Osensei Kim was well-received and is called 20th Century Samurai, Richard Kim. And here's a quote. Richard Kim was one of the most important figures in the history of martial arts as he was able to share the philosophy and psychology of the samurai with his English-speaking students. Okay. I'm going to finish this one up first. You guys ready? Ready. Uh, I was searching the net for quotes. And like everything else about this research, it was really tough and very slim pickings. I did, however, find one site called sbjpeterborough.com, in which he says that he found a note that he had handwritten from the 80s with a quote from Richard Kim. And this is what the quote said. The martial arts are a science and an art. A, the science is the technical. And B, the art is the development of the person. Oh, that's a yes. good quote, Sensei. I love that, Very don't good. you? Yes. Us. And that finishes up our look at the three teachers of Peter Urban. Us. Us. The trilogy. Yep, the trilogy. And we're going to start another trilogy on wrestling. Oh, excellent, Sensei. It's a... Thrillogy. 
Okay, so Jerry Andy, start out our goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our day. We did. Bye, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again next week on Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Okay, it's time for Honor Athletics, of course. Please, make Honor Athletics your go-to store for all your karate needs. And And more. more. You guys are in unison there. (laughs) Make sure you call or text 770-945-5150. Or go online at honorathletics.com. And remember to use Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. Thanks in advance for supporting our sponsor, Cynthia. And thank you, Cynthia. I agree with that. Us. And with that, I'm signing out.